Good morning, everyone. Welcome to our time together. If you will, uh, that was that was our, our call to worship, that noise there. If you will uh, uh, make your way to your seats uh, and find a songbook. And uh, what do you think, Carrie? Should I move the mic further back? The speakers are a little bit further back. Okay, sound check, sound check. All right. Stay away from the mic. We've got a, a, a very wonderful order of worship this morning. We have uh, 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 speaking for us in place of Mitch, who is out uh, this Sunday, will be Dr. Jeff Peterson. Uh, Jeff, if you, uh, is a, if you are not aware, uh, if you will allow me to disclose, is a uh, fan of a, of a science fiction series that I wrote down here called Star Tech. Did I get that right? Star Trek. Uh, and uh, if you have the pleasure of getting to visit, I, I was, uh, if you allowed me to disclose, I was, I was making it known that you're a fan of a, of a series called Star Trek, which I wrote down to make sure I got it right. And uh, if you haven't had the pleasure of talking to Jeff about that, uh, it's a rare chance to indulge in that topic with scholastic uh, pedigree, uh, which makes it quite, quite fun. So let's start with uh, 151. If you'll turn your songbook to 151, if you will be standing. Christians join to sing, Alleluia, Amen. Loud praise to Christ our King, Alleluia, Amen. Let all with heart and voice before his throne rejoice. Praises his gracious choice. Alleluia, amen. Come lift your hearts on high. Alleluia, amen. Let praises fill the sky. Alleluia, amen. He is our guide and friend. To us he'll condescend, his love shall never end. Alleluia, amen. Praise yet the Lord again. Alleluia, amen. Life shall not end a strain. Alleluia, amen. On heaven's blissful shore, his goodness will adore, singing forevermore. Alleluia, amen. Amen. If you will turn to 158. And if you look in your footnotes at the bottom, these words are attributed to Ambrose of Milan. That is not a, a high-end shopping place in Milan. That is a person. 
a very important person that is agreed upon by the Roman Catholic Church, the Eastern Orthodox tradition, the Anglican Communion, uh, most of the Lutheran churches for being a fundamental saint. Uh, and he's also, in addition to being a theologian, he's attributed for his contribution to Hymnody. So these, these words are very old, 397 uh, AD. What I find fun about this footnote is that it then says, arranged by J.B., copyright 1986 AC Press. So uh, J.B. Is, is Jack Boyd, one of the, who, one of the editors of this, this uh, book. Uh, his daughter was my uh, elementary school music teacher, and she married a man named Alan Keel, who was my brother's percussion teacher through high school. So uh, the distance between his edit in 1986 and Ambrose of Milan is the distance between today and the Viking Age. So I think, you know, six degrees of separation, uh, but maybe less if you go further back in time. But go read about him after, after worship. Uh, it, it's fascinating, the, the, the use of light in this text. The Founding Fathers, the bringing of the word was, uh, was light and, and the reuse of that, uh, their gratitude for bringing uh, a truth into the world that wasn't there is, I, I found, reiterated among, among the, the early uh, Founding Fathers. All right, 158, and it'll take a little bit of practice, so let's try D major. It kind of goes like this. I'll just sing it just like this. O splendor of God's glory bright. That's basically melody. I just try it. O splendor of God's glory bright, who bringest forth the light from light. O light of light, the fountain stream. O day of days illumining. Come, very Son of God and love, come in thy radiance from above, and shed the Holy Spirit's ray on all we think or do today. Teach us to work with all our might, and Satan's fierce assaults to flight. Turn all the good that seems most ill. Help us our calling to fulfill. All praise to God the Father be. All praise, beloved Son, to thee. Whom with the Spirit we adore forever and forevermore. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Please be seated. And then 160 uh, is another song that, that probably has not been sung, to my knowledge, in my memory here. Uh, but it's just a really nice text. It's, it's plain song, plain chant, so it'll be in unison. So let's, let's read the words first, the first verse, and then we'll uh, try the melody after that. So if you'll read with me, let, let's just read all the verses. <coughs> Creator of the stars of night, thy people's everlasting light, O Christ, thou Savior of us all, we pray thee hear us when we call. At the great name of Jesus now, all knees must bend, all hearts must bow, all things celestial thee shall own, and things terrestrial, Lord, alone. Come in thy holy might, we pray, redeem us for eternal day. From every power of darkness, when the 
judges the, the sons of men. Now the f- refrain, which will sing through 2020, it goes like this. Amen. Let's pra- practice that. Amen. Okay, that will be between each verse. Okay, let's give it a shot. The belly kind of goes like this. I'll try it. Creator of the stars of night, thy people's everlasting light. O Christ, thou Savior of us all, we pray thee, hear us when we call. Amen. Okay, so that's what we got. Let's do it. <coughs> Creator of the stars of night, thy people's everlasting light. O Christ, thou Savior of us all, we pray thee, hear us when we call. Amen. At the great name of Jesus now, all knees must bend, all hearts must bow, all things celestial thee shall own and things terrestrial, Lord, alone. Amen. Come in thy holy might, we pray. Redeem us for eternal day. From every power of darkness cleanse, thou judgest all the sons of men. Amen. Join me in prayer. Almighty God, we come before you as your people together to seek you. We praise you for your goodness and your love. You are the creator of all, and every good thing comes from you. You made us out of your great and overflowing love, and you sent your Son to join us into your fellowship of love. Lord, we confess that we are often thoughtless about our place in your world. We miss the right and do the wrong. We try to make our way apart from you. God, please forgive us. Turn us around so that we seek you so that we seek to be who you created us to be. Make us more and more into your people. God, we lift up our brothers and sisters today. Each one of us has someone we lift up to you for your comfort and healing. God, together we ask for your healing for Gloria as she recovers from her fall and surgery. For Andrea's grandbaby, Theo, in praise for his great improvement and prayer for his complete recovery. For AC, as he recovers from the flu and is with his daughter out of town. And for Annalie, as she recovers from her fall and settles into her new place at Symphony. We pray for Gary and Leanne as they continue Leanne's treatment. We pray for Bob and Maisie and Helen. And all of those among us who are dealing with long-term health needs. God, we lift each one up to you. We ask your hand of comfort for Louis and for all of Ben's family, those we love, and we ask that all those who are in grief and in struggle, that you would comfort them and that we would be 
comfort to them um, as your people. God, we lift up our missionaries, Jane and the Napiers, that they would share your love to great effect in each one of their places. And we lift up our ministers, Carrie and Mitch, as they serve you in this place. We ask that you be with our ministries, with all God's children, with the Longhorns for Christ, with each uh, of the ways that we try to serve in this place. Um, we ask that you shape each one of us into your servants and ministers, that you make each one of us your hands and feet in the world. And now let us pray together the prayer that the Lord taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. The 2.31. <clears throat> this song will be in preparation for our sharing of communion, uh, which will be followed by scripture and our sermon. <clears throat> 2.31. of my life, I crown thee now, thou shalt the glory be. Lest I forget thy thorn-crowned brow, lead me to Calvary. Lest I forget Gethsemane, lest I forget thine agony. Lest I forget thy love for me, lead me to Calvary. Show me the tomb where thou wast laid, tenderly mourned and wept. Angels in robes of light arrayed, guarded thee whilst thou slept. Lest I forget Gethsemane, lest I forget thine agony, lest I forget thy love for me, lead me to Calvary. Let me like Mary through the gloom come with a gift to thee. Show me them now, the empty tomb, lead me to Calvary. Lest I forget Gethsemane, lest I forget thine agony, lest I forget thy love for me, lead me to Calvary. May I be willing, Lord, to bear daily my cross for thee. Even thy cup of grief to share, thou hast borne all for me. 
Lest I forget Gethsemane, lest I forget thine agony, lest I forget thy love for me, take me to Calvary. Good morning, church. Um, I want to say uh, it is uh, an honor for Robin and I to share thoughts and prayers uh, about communion with you today. Um, I'll, I'll share some thoughts about obedience, about Jesus's obedience and our command to be obedient to his statement. So from Philippians 2, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. And from 1 Corinthians, the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So every week we gather together to observe communion, and in doing so, we are being obedient to Jesus. This is how we attempt to honor our Savior's obedience. So as we take the communion today, think of those who you know who cannot join us. Last night I spoke with A.C. Hollifield. He wishes to be here. He can't. Think of those that you love who can't be here also, think of those who decide not to be here. Think of those who don't know the truth. And think of those that reject the truth. Jesus had all of us in mind in his obedience. Would you pray with me now for the bread and the cup? Dear Lord, we know from your word that Jesus learned obedience through what he suffered and thereby became the source of eternal salvation for all who now obey him. And so we gather here at your table to remember your son, our Lord, because he told us to do so on that night long ago in the upper room. By breaking the bread and sharing the cup, we conform in obedience to that command. Thank you for sending your son and help us to be your obedient people and live lives of true discipleship. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.
now we have a time to um, give back to the church. There are ways listed up above to give online. Um, we won't be passing trays, but if you have um, cash or check, we have a box over there on the on the side to put that in. Would you pray with me? Dear Lord, inspire us to do nothing from selfishness, but to look always to the interests of others before our own. Teach us the greater blessing of giving than receiving, and so help us to conform to the image of Christ. Please bless this offering and the good works that will come from it. In Jesus' name, amen. Scripture reading today is going to be from Luke 2, verses 40 through 52. And if you're story I remember as a child, uh, and keep in mind this is in the, the days before Amber Alert. And the child grew and became strong. He was filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was on him. Every year, Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the festival of the Passover. When he was 12 years old, they went up to the festival according to the custom. After the festival was over, while his parents were returning home, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but they were unaware of it. Thinking he was in their company, they traveled on for a day. Then they began looking for him among their relatives and friends. When they did not find him, they went back to Jerusalem to look for him. After three days, they found him in the temple courts, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. Everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. His mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Why were you searching for me, he asked. Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? But they did not understand what he was saying to them. Then he went down to Nazareth, Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. But his mother treasured all these things in her heart. And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor of God and man. Thanks for that reading, uh, Nathan. And if you wouldn't mind, I would like to call a, a pause and take a break of about 10 minutes because the Amber Alert is the perfect image to build a sermon on this passage around. And it didn't occur to me in my preparation. So uh, uh, that's just kidding about that. Um, uh, Dylan has presented me with temptation uh, by recalling to you my misspent youth. Um, I was uh, in junior high school, I majored in Star Trek um, and had, had the blueprints and could tell you where this, uh, you know, this room on the Enterprise was and how fast it could go and uh, what the duty roster was. Um, that's a bit of a confession uh, in that I found myself, I found my imagination captured by that TV series that they put on color TVs in 1966. Uh, so happens the same company owned NBC, uh, the network on which it was broadcast, and RCA. And RCA wanted to sell color TVs, 
And one of the reasons that show ended up on the air, and one of the reasons that the, uh, the series regulars wore brighter costumes and the ship was highlighted in red was to get people to buy color TVs. My grandmother uh, resisted that temptation. Also, she couldn't afford one. Uh, and so I saw the series in black and white, but still, it captured my imagination. Um, and I gotta confess, I, I went through junior high school um, uh, wanting to live in that story, uh, wanting to be Captain Kirk, really, and tell people what to do and uh, have them do it and figure your way out of every, uh, out of every challenging situation. Um, and I went to, as I was doing that, I was attending the Galena Park Church of Christ uh, as a kid of 13, 14, 15. And um, the story that was rehearsed when I went to church, I knew was important. Uh, I, I, uh, that, that impressed itself on me from about age three or four when I was first taken there. Um, there was this period of time in the middle of our meeting there when this one fella would get up and start talking and everybody stopped and listened to him. It's happening now, um, right? It was the sermon. Uh, and uh, I, I was growing up uh, in a home without my father present. And I think I got the idea about three or four, I'll do that. That looks like a good thing to do. Uh, and so I think you've got my whole psychology uh, in front of you now. Thanks, Dylan. I really planned to share that, uh, uh, to share that this morning. Um, Protestant Christians, like us, uh, in, in the back of that church building, there was a little track that uh, was titled, Neither Protestant, Catholic, Nor Jew. Anybody else ever seen that track? Am I the only one? Okay. Uh, uh, Dan has. Uh, that's who we thought we were. <laughs> that's one of the indications that we were Protestants. Uh, that's, th th that's the kind of thing Protestants say. We're not, we're not any particular kind of Christian. We're just going back to the Bible uh, and, and figuring it out from the beginning. Um, Protestant Christians were devoted to the word of God. And that's a good thing. Um, I, I benefited from, uh, from that uh, focus on the words of scripture. But um, there are limitations to it too. Uh, it's, it's always difficult in life uh, to avoid throwing out the baby with the bathwater, um, I gotta confess, my imagination uh, was not consistently engaged as much by what happened in that church building as by that show that I saw on the TV set where the words, uh, where the spoken words and the images and the music uh, absorbed my attention and compelled me. Part of our challenge as Christians is to, to enter so deeply into the word, not just, with, not just through the printed word, but through the words that are spoken here uh, by inspiring teachers like Eddie and like Mitch, um, and through images uh, that we can find painted and sculpted uh, in, uh, in Christian history, so that this is the story that we want to live in. This is the story that we want to be a part of. And so as we turn to scripture this morning, <clears throat> um, 
that's what we're that's what we're trying uh, to do. I still know a lot more about words connected with scripture than I uh, than I know about uh, uh, the history of Christian art. Um, but that's that's what we're about. We're opening our hearts and our minds to what is conveyed in scripture and to what Christians have represented throughout Christian history in in uh, in various media. I feel bad now that I didn't find the perfect, you know, the best painting of this scene uh, from Christian art to display in advance. Next time I preach this text, uh, that'll, that'll be uh, that'll be part of what I uh, that'll be part of what I look for. Um, let me say, if the sermon is not working for you this morning, if you don't find uh, that that you're being connected with, I've got a piece of advice. Go back and look at those two new hymns that Dylan introduced us to on page uh, hymn number 158, hymn number 160. You can learn a lot of the faith by opening up the hymnal and reading what's there. Um, I, I learned a bit that way uh, in Galena Park when I was 12 and 13 and 14. If the preacher wasn't doing it for me uh, one morning, I would open up the hymn book and uh, and read there. Um, in the opening verse of the hymn 158, uh, one of the deepest things that is said uh, in the Christian faith is alluded to. God, the, uh, God bring us, uh, bringeth forth the light from light. That's one of the descriptions of the Son of God uh, that Christians offered in the first century of the church. The, the Christian church preaches Jesus Christ. They went around the ancient world preaching uh, this person, Jesus Christ, as the most important person there is for any of us to know about him, and then they explained why that was. Um, they taught that he was truly God and truly human. Um, in, in the old-fashioned language, he was very God and very man. Um, he was the fullness of God's presence in a, a, in a human being. And yet, he was also son of the Father. So there's one God, but that one God uh, in, includes in, in his divine life two persons, three it would later be said, uh, uh, as, the, as the spirit came to be described in that way too. There's a long history behind that. Well, how do you understand that? How do you understand uh, a son of God in relation to a father of God? One of the images that the early church used was this image, light from light. And here, it, it helps our imagination to know, to, 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 know, to understand uh, a, 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 a fact about the ancient world. In the ancient world, no incandescent light, right? Nobody turns on a switch and lights up their living room. You have to kindle the light. And if you're going to take light that's here in your hearth outside, or across the house, you've got to get a torch, and you've got to you've got to allow the torch to receive the light 
the flame from the light that's already there. So there's a source that uh, supplies the light, and then there is a recipient, uh, a, a vessel of the light. That's the image that they used to describe, that the early church used to describe the relationship between the Father and the Son. The Father is the source of all light. Um, uh, all, all light ultimately derives from him. The Son receives from the Father all the light that the Father has to give. Um, if, you, if, you, if you light a torch, uh, right, the, the flame burning on the torch, um, you can't tell the difference in brightness between, uh, uh, between the light that's there and the source light. It, it's, it's the same. Uh, and that gets us to the word that uh, Matt talked to us about last week, the, uh, uh, Christ being consubstantial with the Father. He's of the same stuff as the Father. Okay. You ask what this has to do with Luke. Uh, chapter 2. The early church said two great things about Jesus. He's very God. He's light from light. And he's very man. He's truly divine. He's truly human. That is to say, he brings to us the real life of God, the full life of God, in his earthly existence. But he brings it to us as a human being. He puts in our society, in the kind of life that we experience, the human life that we know, he puts among us the life of God in a way that allows us to speak, to hear, to touch, to be touched by, to encounter God, the source of all light, here down here where we live uh, uh, on our level so that we can reach out and touch him, we can allow him to embrace us, uh, we can enter into communion with the source of all light, with the Father, through the Son, in the Spirit. That's what we're here for uh, today. That's what we're hoping, that's what we come to church, hoping we experience hoping it strikes us as perhaps uh, it hasn't before or as it, uh, as it doesn't always. And you just hope that the preacher doesn't get in the way, uh, right, uh, uh, between uh, the, the word of God, uh, the light from light that scripture reveals, uh, reveals to us. What we see in this passage is the human Jesus still fully divine, but also fully human. And that means we see Jesus um, on our plane of existence growing. Uh, he's been born. He's come among us. Uh, we've seen that in the earlier chapters of Luke's gospel. And now he grows. Um, he comes to his full human abilities uh, and, and to take on his vocation in life just as each of us does so that he was tempted uh, in all points as we are yet without sin. Jesus lives, the, the, uh, Jesus lives his whole life fully in the will of God. That's part of what it is to be 
truly divine uh, on the human plane. Uh, none of us has done that, and that's why we need Jesus to reach out to us, to bring us into fellowship with the Father. And so here Jesus is. Um, we have seen from the stories of Jesus' birth that uh, Joseph uh, and Mary, in whose house he is brought up, are devout. They do everything that the law commands an obedient Israelite to do. And so they take Jesus up uh, uh, to the temple for Passover, for the, for the big festival, uh, for Christmas, uh, for, for Easter is what, it would, uh, is what it would be the equivalent of for us. They take Jesus when he is just on the verge of being held to adult responsibilities in Jewish tradition. Thirteen uh, is uh, the age that we have from sources a bit later uh, than the New Testament is, the age uh, when you would become a son of the covenant, a uh, son of the commandment. Uh, that's, uh, that's what a bar mitzvah, uh, the ceremony, means. You become a son of the commandment, and you say, I'm responsible now, as an Israelite, to God for fulfilling my responsibilities to him. Jesus is just on, uh, uh, just on the cusp of assuming that responsibility. Um, they traveled from Nazareth to Jerusalem. Depending how fast you walk, that's a four, three, four, five day trip. Um, uh, devout Israelites went every year to the Passover, and so villages would, like Nazareth, towns would virtually empty out as whole caravans traveled to and from the temple. And so they have uh, gone for the festival, and they have uh, recalled God's deliverance of Israel in Egypt, and they have stood in the temple at the hour of prayer. They have seen the lambs sacrificed, and, uh, and the celebration of God's redemption is concluded, and they return home. And since, uh, right, friends, neighbors, uh, the rabbi from the Nazareth synagogue, they're all traveling back together. Um, you don't worry too much if a 12-year-old boy wanders off. I recall in middle school, I wandered off uh, a time or two uh, and made my grandmother nervous, but I always came back home. Um, but after, uh, uh, after a day, uh, Joseph asks Mary, you, you seen Jesus? Mary, no, I haven't seen him. And when, when was the last time you saw him? I haven't seen him since yesterday. Um, and so they, uh, uh, they, they poll around. They, they ask all the neighbors that they can find. Nope, haven't, no, wasn't with us. We assumed he was, we thought he was with you. And so they conclude, we've got to go back. Um, uh, two, uh, two of the worst moments of my parental experience uh, were when my daughter, Laura, uh, whom uh, some of you will remember, uh, first uh, got left in a store in the mall when a small caravan of friends and kids, two couples and our kids, uh, uh, 
wandered along, and I thought, I thought Laura was with you. Oh, I thought, I thought she was with you, and we had to find out which store, which means you have to remember what stores have we been in. Uh, you know, where did we go? So there was a, there was a bit of scurrying, and, and uh, I, for, I think she was in the Disney store. Uh, I actually don't remember. I'll have to ask if she remembers. On another occasion, uh, same situation, two couples, our kids, uh, two vehicles were at uh, dinner on the way to Wednesday night Bible study. And everybody thought Laura was with somebody else and drove to church and got here and realized what had happened. Uh, and it was very, it was very upsetting to me because it was upsetting to Laura, but it was, uh, it was uh, upsetting before uh, we found her as well. Well, we can sympathize with Mary and with Joseph as they leave uh, the folks from Nazareth. Uh, maybe there was a family or two good enough to go with them so that they weren't traveling back to Jerusalem alone. Uh, we're not told. And they find their way back to Jerusalem uh, and uh, don't know how many places they checked, uh, you know, maybe the, uh, the, the home or inn where they stayed uh, before they go finally to the temple, um, which was a popular place to, to hang out uh, uh, in, in Jerusalem. It was, the, it, it was an impressive uh, structure thanks to Herod's building project. Um, if you were devout, you could, uh, you could reflect on the things of God there, and you could observe what the priests were doing. If you weren't devout, it was still an impressive structure, and you could admire, uh, uh, you could admire the buildings. They look, and they find Jesus sitting, uh, the text tells us, among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. Um, Jesus is uh, a, a prodigy as a teacher of the law, right? You don't expect the 12-year-old to be sitting at the faculty table uh, in the theology department of the university conversing with the folks who make their living uh, doing this and are supposed to know all about it. Um, Christians of the second and third century took this image and ran with it and, and, uh, and suggest that what Jesus was doing was showing them up. Uh, he was explaining to them all the errors uh, that they had uh, that they had taught to Israel. Luke doesn't uh, give us that sense really, and I think if we read to the end of the story, we, we'd come away with another suggestion. Jesus is respectful. He has found his place among those who care about the things of God, and he is uh, talking with them about the God who has revealed himself in Israel's history and, uh, and in the law. And amazing those who are present with his wisdom, with his understanding, with the answers that he gives uh, to questions. We considered wisdom uh, and its place in our lives as Christians in Bible class this morning. One of the things this text is telling us is Jesus, as he grew humanly, grew in wisdom, and he now demonstrates his wisdom and his love and his understanding of the things of God for those whose life it is 
to teach Israel um, uh, uh, about those things. And so um, uh, his mother comes uh, and uh, asks him. I always like, whenever there's stories about Jesus and his mother, it's always good to spend a little bit of time trying to imagine the tone in which Mary asks the question. Um, and the answers that we come up with will probably be informed by our mothers or grandmothers, uh, by the people who raised us, and we'll hear a little echo of the tone that they might, uh, that, uh, that they might have. And so uh, uh, in, in the rendering of the NRSV, Mary asks Jesus, Child, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been searching for you in great anxiety. We do and do and do for you, and this is the thanks that we get, right, um, is, what, uh, is, is what Mary presents Jesus with. And it's well, I think, to give a bit of thought to imagining what the tone in which Jesus um, answers. Sometimes, and so, uh, we remember perhaps especially the story in John at the wedding feast, you hear a bit of curtness uh, in uh, in Jesus' tone. There is also, of course, the, the, the gentleness that, that we hear in Jesus' tone at the conclusion of John's gospel. As dying, Jesus commends his mother to the disciple whom Jesus loved. Here, I think there's a note of, of just innocence or almost bafflement on Jesus' part. Why were you searching for me? Why didn't you know where I was? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house, is how the New Revised Standard renders it. That clears things up for us. It's not exactly what's there in Greek. The, the odd thing about, one odd thing about Greek is you can leave nouns out where you can't in English. And so, what uh, to, to translate it literally, Jesus' response is, didn't you know that I must be in my father's things or among my father's things? Um, there are probably two uh, ways to take this. Um, one has to do with Mary's question. One has to do with Jesus' mission. For what it's worth, I think, the text is, intentional, is intentionally ambiguous, as biblical texts sometimes are, and Luke wants us to think of both things. In one way, Jesus' answer, uh, 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 Jesus answer addresses Mary's question, why didn't you know where to look for me? Didn't you know that I must be in my father's house, um, in my father's possessions, in what belongs to him? The temple of God is the house of God, the house for the praise of God. It's where God's, God has chosen for his name to dwell in Israel. And if, we read in 1 Kings chapter 8, if you, wanna, you need God's help, if you want to cry out to God, if you want to praise him, the temple is the place to come. And so Jesus is here um, in God's presence, God's special presence among his people, uh, Jesus is here speaking with uh, those who are entrusted with teaching the people um, of God. 
And Jesus will be here again in the course of his ministry. The next time, he will come as an adult uh, man on a mission to share God's grace and mercy and judgment where that is needed with uh, all the people that God has chosen and ultimately with all the nations. He will see God's name being dishonored in this house where he chose to make his name to dwell. And he will, uh, uh, he will bind cords into a whip and he will take out after those who are dishonoring the name of his father. And for that, if you have to pick just one thing, for that, he will go to the cross. He will be executed. So Jesus is going to be in his father's house seeing that God's name is honored. But the other way to take the phrase, my father's things, is the way the King James uh, Version puts it, the way I grew up hearing it in the Galena Park Church of Christ. I must be about my father's business. I must be in my father's line of work. Um, one of the great challenges of being a young person in our world is figuring out what you're going to do. Um, and I, got, I took my cues from uh, that fella who stood up and talked till 1130 uh, in, the, in the Galena Park Church of Christ. Um, wasn't as big a challenge in the ancient world. If you were a boy, you did what your father did. Um, he taught you. That's what he knew how to teach you. Um, there, there were, of course, exceptions to that, but that was the rule. If you were a girl, you did what your mother did to uh, feed and clothe and care for uh, 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 the folks, uh, the, the, the men who were, who were about their business, and you also helped with, uh, you also helped with the business. Uh, so there were fewer opportunities there were also fewer decisions. Well, Jesus says here, and I think we're to hear this, didn't you know, Mom, that I've got to be about, I've got to be involved in the things my father is doing. I've got to take up his line of work. Uh, I've got to play my part in the redemption that he has brought to Israel and is bringing now to all the nations. And being here, uh, talking with the teachers, that's, that's part of, of, uh, of, of what I have to be about and what I have to do. Um, this answer uh, is baffling uh, to Mary and to Joseph. Um, Teenagers and preteens are sometimes known to baffle their parents uh, by the things that they say. It's like we, we, it's difficult to find a meeting of the minds. Um, we understand if we keep reading the story and we see how Jesus did indeed involve himself in his father's business and made it his own and brought God's salvation and mercy uh, to the people and to the nations. And so the story concludes. He returns 
home as a, as a human being. Uh, uh, he's got to live somewhere. And he goes uh, with his mother and with his father, as it was supposed, back to Nazareth. Uh, Mary didn't forget. She remembered this, uh, as mothers do uh, uh, remember significant events in the lives of their children. She treasured all these things um, in her heart while Jesus grew in wisdom and in years or stature and in favor with God and with people until he was ready to begin his ministry. As followers of Jesus, um, we don't reach the level of uh, wisdom. Uh, uh, we don't receive the favor of God as fully as Jesus did in this life. That's something we look forward to. We look forward to our communion uh, with the Father through the Son in the Spirit being unbroken and complete and full. We come together and share communion in Jesus' life, in his body and blood, in his wisdom, uh, in his favor with God and with human beings. We come to, to strengthen ourselves, to encourage ourselves, to receive, to, to open ourselves to receiving God's gifts anew uh, as together we seek to be in our Father's house, uh, worshiping with his saints, with all his saints, with those that we can see here and with those that Matt has reminded us of this morning that we can't see, um, uh, uh, and, to, and to strengthen our hearts um, as, as we seek to live uh, and to continue the Father's business among those with whom we share our life here uh, and tomorrow and Tuesday and Wednesday until we come together again. May God bless us to open our hearts to his grace and mercy, to the wisdom uh, that his word can give us, to his judgment when that is needed, and to the light that he seeks uh, to share with us through his son very God and very man, light from light. If you are present today and need the assistance of others in your walk with Christ, uh, we invite you uh, to uh, turn to us. Could I ask the elders who are present just to raise your hands? Um, uh, uh, talk to, to any of our elders, talk to Carrie. Uh, uh, if you wanna talk to a professor uh, who's playing preacher this morning, you can do that too. Uh, may God bless all of us as we seek to honor him uh, and to receive fully the gift that he has given us in Christ in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit.